Welcome to the J2 Hub podcast, where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sahota, we bring you exciting real life property, business, and entrepreneurially related hot topics, and that little bit more. So welcome everybody to another episode of the J2 Hub podcast. I'm so, so excited today because uh, my guest today, I've been trying to track her down for a few months now. We keep missing each other and there was no way in hell that I was going to conclude the Women in Property series without speaking to this fantastic person. I don't think this person needs many introductions because you've probably seen her all across social. She's very, very, very active and, you know, um, she does some amazing things. So lo and behold, without any further ado, I'm joined by Camilla Shalak, the SA girl. Camilla, thank you, first of all, for joining me here on the J2R podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited to finally be here. It has been a few months, hasn't it? So <laughs> trying to, yeah. to, to meet virtually. Yeah, no, it has. It has. Now, I'm not going to try and take credit for this uh, Women in Property show because it was all my wife's idea. She said to me, James, you need to speak to more women because us women do some powerful things. You men just go around showing off about everything. Go out there, speak to the ladies in property, and I'm sure you'll be amazed. And I have been absolutely blown away by some of the things people do. And I was so eager to get you on because obviously you are the SA girl, you know, and I think that is such a strong brand that's been associated with you. Camilla, I want to start for the people that don't know you. They've probably been living under a rock or they've been in a different country for quite a long time. Can you give me some background about you? How did it all start with you? Where did you come from and where? where how have you got to being so successful where you are right now? Oh, thank you. So, I mean, property started probably at 18. So most people would have known me for the last three years. That's when um, kind of I've, I've become known on social media. But I have played with it for about 12 years. So when I was, I'm an immigrant. So I moved to the UK when I was 15 years old and um, left school at 17. Initial plan from going to medicine. I was, I wanted to be independent. I left all of that. I thought, no, I just want to work. So I worked in finance. Um, I worked in finance for a few years. Um and did a few creative things to get my first house deposit. And at 18, I watched Homes Under the Hammer and I went, I can do that. Um, what's so hard about that? <laughs> As you do. And bought my first repossession house. And that's how my flipping journey started, or flipping houses, um, as a hobby. But as a business, um, it was 2016 when me and my ex-partner, um, father of my children, we've um, been flipping houses that we lived in for quite a few years now. At that point, we've had children. So a last flip, um, the girls, my girls, I've got twin girls, they were four weeks old at the time when we moved into the house and we were knocking walls and it was just so much dust and I had a complete meltdown. I thought, you know, brand new mother, first time mother, I, I remember waking up and there was dust everywhere and I just had a panic attack. I was like, my children are breathing this in, I'm going to like do something to them, they're going to be you know, scarred for life, like I can't do this anymore. So I remember we ended up moving in with my mum for a few months to finish the project and we promised that we wouldn't live in the refurb again. So our mm -hmm. next house is a new build. And at that point we were like, we're not doing property anymore, that's it, we're done. And then we, I would see, he would be on the laptop, I'd be on the laptop in the evening as I, I would look, he's on right move and I'm on right move. So... <laughs> So we had a conversation and we said, well, this property thing is not going away, is it? And um, so we said, what do we have to do? Well, we don't want to live in them. So we have to learn how to run this as a business. Um, so that's when we started in property education. Like our property education journey was with Tigrant at the time. Um, did some courses and started buying property. Um, so I started with, we started with buy to lets. So we bought quite a few at once. We had a big refurb project, um, but then less than a year in, after nearly 10 years of being together, I decided that, that uh, we shouldn't be together. That's, I've been, it's been in my head for about five years. And I just happened to make that decision at that point, which meant we had to sell every single house that we bought in the last year. And I don't know if you know, like investing in, in the valleys. So we had a portfolio in the valleys in, um, okay. in Wales. In Wales, and yeah. When you buy there, it's fine. And you can do the refurbish, re, um, refinance model. Um, so we did that. But try selling those at the same price quickly. <laughs> it's not happening. So that was 2017 and um, about £120,000 um, loss. For me, midwife, and, you know, I've worked. I didn't have a penny given to me. We had to work really hard for any of the money that we had. 
um, that was a big hit. Um, newly single mum, um, twin girls who were three years old at the time. Um, I, I went from having a brand new cars, half a million pound house that we lived in at 26 years old, um, jo- job that I loved, everything pretty much perfect to losing everything. So the ego took a wow. hit. Um, everything, you know, I just, one thing that I knew, and I think that's important for people to know that it doesn't matter what happens to you as long as you pick yourself back up. Um, so I knew the property wasn't done for me. I knew that it wasn't the property that did it. It was just circumstances. So I went back to property education, 2017. Actually, my my partner, my ex-partner said to me, progressive property, they're doing a lot of Facebook advertising. You should go just for the momentum. It's like, don't buy anything. Just go for, you know, to pick yourself up. So off I went and I knew I needed money quickly and I didn't have any cash. I needed to create income because it was I go bankrupt or I do something very, very quickly. Um, so I picked SA, so service accommodation. I knew I couldn't buy, so it had to be a rent to service accommodation. Um, did a course and off I went. And tunnel vision, 12 months later, life was very different. Wow. Wow, I love that. <laughs> I love the fact that you, you know what? What I love there is where you said is when you fall down, you know, you just pick yourself back up again. And I love where you said, if you didn't change your circumstances, you would just be bankrupt, you know, so you knew it's either this or it's this and you had to just carry on going. Can I ask you, what did it feel like? So you've just newly broken up. You're there with your two twin girls. I know how hard kids can be because, I mean, I I look after my children all week because uh, my wife works. And, well, not that I don't work, but I work as well But because <laughs> my work's more flexible. Yeah. What was it like the first night when everything was gone and you're sitting there in your house? Because I can imagine, I'm imagining you being on your own just with the girls. What was it like? What was going through your head? How did you feel? There was a, so there was never a moment of me as in um, like real despair, I guess, because I always had, I'm somebody, I've started so many times over again, moving countries, moving cities. As a child, I moved every two years. Um, I'm a very good start again kind of person. So there was, oh, sorry, someone, there you go. There was, um, there was a moment where I thought, what the hell do I do? What have I done? What have I done? That was a big moment because there was a part of me that I remember sitting there with them. In in fact, me and my ex lived together for about five months because um, after we split up, because I wanted to help, um, I made a decision and he was going to make a big transition from um, being employed to self-employed. And I thought it's not his fault that I decided that we don't work and, you, you know, this doesn't work anymore. So I thought I could go back to work full time work harder to cover his you know, lack of income that might we may have right. for a bit. So for the first five months, it was actually okay. And whilst we were selling the houses, it wasn't that shock of, you know, we've lost this because it was like, we'll just get through this together. We're still a team. And um, it was probably after that. And when I moved out, um, left him in the house because there was a period of anger and, you know, the grieving kind of process you go through when you lose, you lose someone effectively, don't you? After 10 years of being together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I remember sitting there in my rented house um, after leaving my ex with my beautiful home that we picked, you know, um, together, and just thinking, should I just like go back? Should I just? It would be so much easier if I just didn't do that. Should I just like rewind and go back to where it was? And I thought, no. So there's, I mean, there's no despair with me. There was just like, no, I can't do that. That's gone. Like I have to, this is the right thing to do. Pick myself back up and go again. And I thought, I've got my girls, like I've got my girls and it doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter about money. Like I want to provide for them wherever I can, but as long as they've got me and I've got them, like Mm -hmm. I'll work whatever I have to do to get these kids, you know, what they need and to make them happy. I'll just do it. So at no point, I just felt like helpless in this whole thing. I felt low. But I just knew that I can, you know, grind, I can work day and night, whatever I have to do to to get through it. And I think that's what got me to where I am is this this kind of attitude of I'll do whatever I need to do. And I, I don't care if it's painful. I don't care if it's if I don't sleep. I don't care if I make myself ill. I'll just make it work. Um, and so, because it's something that some people are not prepared to um, to do. Yeah, no. I Wow. That's so, that's moving to here. That's moving to here. I, I get the impression you're one of those people that once you've made a decision, you don't really look over your shoulder to see what was back in the past. You're very, let's go forward. 
And I understand what you're saying there because I've got friends that have gone through relationships where they have rewound and gone back knowing it's not the right thing to do. And they've just wasted another few years of their life rather than to say, you know what, this isn't working. This isn't right. I need to cut this off. Let me move forward with the good things that I got. Yeah, absolutely. And my, my partner now said, said this to me because he's been, we laughed that he's been chasing me for 18 months and um, we were friends for 18 months and um, it it got to the point where we're like, he just thought this is never going to bloody happen. And I just, there was obviously changing my circumstances. We started spending more time together. And I just one day went, this is it. Like, this is it. And it was just literally like that. There's no looking back. It's like, this is it. And I'm fully in 100% and committed. And he was just literally like, what? I don't understand what has happened. (laughs) But that's what I'm like with everything that I do. It's like, once I've made my mind up, if there's no doubts there, then that's it. I don't look back. It's not, to me, it's not worth it. Past is the past. Can't do anything about it. You can only look forward and you can only change what's in the future rather or what's now or in the future rather than, you know, kind of worry about what's happened in the past. That's, that's done. Yeah. Yeah. And I have some valuable lessons there. So if anybody's listening and they're going through the same thing, you heard it from the horse's mouth here, you know, you can <laughs> pick yourself back up again and, and get back on the bike, you know. So no, well done for that. Camilla, I want to ask you, you talked about education. Now there's mm. all this bad press around education all the time. Um, so me and Ted, we we co-host uh, like a HMO experience day that we do. Uh, it's a five-day HMO experience. And we got a bit of stick for it because it was mm-hmm. like, oh, you guys don't promote education, but you've done this whole training program. What are your thoughts on education in property as a whole? Because someone who's been through it, someone who does it, and you know, someone who's, you've seen it from the early days, really. What's your whole opinions around property education? Yeah, I, this one of my frustrations is the fact that people do jump on you. If you educate anybody in property, you're suddenly the bad guy. Um, I get it all the time. I've got um, a very niche property training company. And I do not scam people. But there's this assumption, and since, you know, it's been big on social media, the compreneur, whatever it's called, that everybody's yeah. <laughs> the same. Yeah, I had I even had someone email me the other day. Um, I read it and I just deleted it. I thought, I know that that's not what I do. Like, I know the people who work with me get my attention. I know that I support them. Like, I know that. they like So they can doubt me all they want. But so my I believe in property education because it's done amazing things to me. And I think you can go on Google and you can research and you can do, um, you know, you can try to find all that information somewhere. The likelihood is you're going to find conflicting views, conflicting advice. You're going to try things that are not going to work. You'll get to to places where you need support that you don't have. So you could, you know, you could spend years learning on hands-on, which is fine, but you're going to make a lot of mistakes. So to me, when I went to education, I thought, I want someone to tell me, give me on a plate everything I need to know, because it will speed up my, my journey. You know, it will kind of like make it faster. I can learn quicker. And then I can still learn hands-on because no matter what you learn on a day or whether it's a week or whether it's a month, you will still continue to learn and redefine because every area is different, every property is different. You come up across things that you've not maybe thought about before. Um, so I'm a big believer. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are prop- there are companies or people out there that promote their services and they don't really deliver. So, And I'm, a not, I'm not a believer in pushing people to do something like, you know, the American way, like run to the back of the room right now, right now, right now, close. <laughs> it's going to go. And I just, it, that's a little bit cringy to me. So one thing that my mentor always worked with me on, he said, well, you have to be a bit more like that. And I get it as sales, but I kind of want people to make their own decisions. Sometimes, you know, when people have fear, so I've had this myself, when you've got this fear and it's stopping you, sometimes you need something to give you that push to actually take action. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's needed, but there is a difference between, kind of just being too pushy with somebody and allowing them you know to to kind of make their own choices so I've paid over the years with progressive alone I've paid over 50,000 pounds in in training fees mentorship fees in the space of two years I don't regret spending a penny of that even though you know there's been ups and downs and we can talk about later with with it's not the company it's with the individual um don't regret any of that I had great um I had great results um, I had fantastic support. I gained amazing knowledge. Um, so absolutely fine. And previous to Progressive, I've spent money with Legacy. Um, and I think we spent just under £20,000 on courses. They're a lot more expensive than um, Progressive. So that was for literally free courses, I think, and like a coaching program. 
Um, and that I felt maybe wasn't for me, as in the information was good, but the support wasn't great. And um, mm-hmm. I like to work closely with people. So when it comes to having a mentor, I personally really believe in mentorship and mastermind groups. Um, I was in a mastermind group myself and there were A, my friends and B, I was learning so much from them and being exposed to their networks and opportunities via that was just so big for me that now that I've lost it and I'm in the process of finding a new one, like you do feel a bit lost because it's just so much support and there's so much knowledge that you're gaining from just meeting up with these people and having contact with them. Um, So I'm a big promoter. I'm not somebody who hates. Um, I think, you know, as long as you, as long as it doesn't go too far of overpromising and undervaluing, I think we all make our own decisions. And if I look at something and I think it'll be good for me, then it's my choice. I make that. And that person who's offering the service shouldn't be criticized on, you know, jumped on or um, abused sometimes because some of these people get abusive for offering their services. It's like, you know, I'm paying for their time. I'm paying for their time, their knowledge, their experience that I have acquired over a number of years quite often. They've paid for their own education. Why wouldn't I pay somebody like that? I don't understand in the property world why there's this expectation to get everything for free. Like we should, I should just sit there, basically live on bread and give everything for free because it's like, it's wrong of me to charge for my time, but go anywhere else and if you pay people for their time, it's normal. Mm. So I don't know where it's come from and I don't know why is the way that it is, but I get what you're saying. Like if you've got useful experience and people want to learn from you, why wouldn't you offer your services? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Like with our, our particular training thing that we do, it's a, it's a, it's a live experience with a live site. So what we teach over five days is linked to a live site. So you get to see a site being stripped apart. You get to see the extensions going on, the on suites going on. And you know what? The candidates that are with us, they get to see all the mistakes as well. And it's been quite funny because on day three, I was told that I've, you know, I needed to spend an extra £7,000 on tanking a basement. And that, was, that wasn't that was in my spreadsheet, you know, and I'm standing there trying to explain this to people. And I said, look, this is real life. This is not what they teach you in a classroom. And what really frustrates me is when I see people putting posts out there on social saying, oh, 10 steps to handling a, refi- a rebuild or 10 steps to handling tradespeople. And I think you've never been in that situation. You've never done a back to brick renovation. You can't just teach people from a book or from education that you've sourced from Google. And it frustrates me because I think you go into a back to brick renovation and you'll see every week something will crop up and it will it will fleece you of money. You know, it will drain you of money. And property is a very expensive thing because when things go wrong, they go wrong horribly. You know, and if, you haven't had, if you haven't had the right education, what you said there, you wanted to fast forward and go all guns blazing and you wanted people just to give you the information. And that's exactly what we do. We tell them, look, this is where a mistake's going to happen. This is where a mistake's going to happen. Avoid this, avoid this, avoid this. And it was nice when one guy emailed me and he said, I should have come on that course with you because it's just cost me £3,000 in mistakes and I would have known about it on week one. And you think, okay, well, maybe we're doing something right. <laughs> that's the thing and you are and yeah I don't I mean I'm a big believer so like you do a five-day course and it's and it's ha- kind of hands-on and they go on site and I really like that so that's one thing when I was trying to find you know you're trying to find your place within property education you think where how do I want to deliver because I just don't want I don't want to do the same that everyone else is doing and um, so I've kind of went backwards because you know normally you start with um, like a low-cost product kind of thing and you move your way up and you offer other programs I went for one to one-to-one mentorship straight away and to this day I run programs at six months minimum Um, the reason being is like you said if someone I mean don't get me wrong there's a place for classroom and you know you go for a couple of days and you learn but you come out of that room and you don't know everything you know the yeah. basics but you have to learn on your mistakes like you said because you know that's how it works but when you actually when it comes to it like you said unexpected problems issues um, you haven't got anybody who um you haven't got anybody you could go to after. So with like six months programs that I run with as masterminds or mentorship, people, you know, get the initial knowledge. And then two months down the line, they can go, oh, this has happened. And I don't know how to deal with it. And because property is not a thing that, you, like I said, it's not something you can just read from a book. And it applies to every single one. There's new issues. There's new problems. There's, you know, having contingency on projects, you know, about that. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. I do things just pop up you have to expect it you can't just think 
oh, it's going to be like that. And it's just, it just is. There's always something, there's always challenges that you have to overcome. And, and I think people need to see it. I think people need to see it and hear it, see it and hear it. Cause sometimes there's, I think where the property education gets a bad name that the people teach just the good stuff. You just tell them about yeah. the good stuff. You don't mm-hmm. talk about the bad stuff. And so I've, I've made a conscious effort and it sounds like what you guys are doing as well is um, to let people know that this is not an easy ride. It's yeah. going to be amazing, but it's also going to be really difficult. And, you know, and quite often it's, that's when you need that support when the things are really hard. You know, you don't need someone when you're like smashing it to be going, yeah, well done, pat on the back. But sometimes you need someone to pull you down a little bit and like, hey, like watch, just be careful here. Because again, you would have done it. I've grown really fast. And there were times in my um, essay journey where, you know, I've taken so many units so quickly and the winter came and I was like, whoa, that's hit me hard. <laughs> And he's like, what's going on? My business is going to fall apart. So I managed to get through it. But if I was to start again, I would probably build more gradually. So when I teach my clients now, they come to me, it's like, I want to have 40 units in the first year. And I go, no, let's not do that. It's just like, <laughs> calm, calm down. I mean, if you want to, you can do, but this is going to happen. So yeah, that's, I think that's what kind of people who just like, you know, you go on stage and go, it's amazing as this and that and the other over promise. And, you know, you buy that course, you do it and you get out in the real world and it's not quite like that. Maybe that's what kind of mm, makes mm. this world a bit more, you know, people think that it's a con or a scam in some way. Uh, but people like, I mean, I'm, I know Tej um, and I've heard of you as well. I've seen that you do things together. I think honesty is really important and showing people the, the real stuff, you know, allowing them to get around your real projects. Um, mm. I think that's, yeah, that's we're the good guys. <laughs> you know, I, I, I openly kind of like yourself, I'm an open book. I openly talk about having lost over a hundred thousand pounds on a build where I was ripped off by a builder. Naively, I was very stupid with the payments and very trusting. I openly talk about having a business that went into liquidation and almost finished me and made me homeless. You know, these are the things that people need to know about. Like you just yes. said early on that you can always pick yourself back up again and start again somewhere. And this is what I like to tell, especially the younger lot coming through now. I say to them, look, just because you failed at one thing and you've lost everything, it doesn't mean you can't start again. You know, there's nothing to say you can't wipe the slate clean, go into a different strategy or retrain yourself. It's never done. If it's finished and you've fallen on your ass, you don't have to stay there. You can get back up again. 100%. And there's this weird perception that, you have to pick one business or one business strategy and it has to work for you. But the, the reality is, look at any successful business people, they've tried different things and some of them didn't work. And they just tried it slightly differently or a different type of business or a different type of strategy. So you've got to test things. And that's what entrepreneurship is. It's just finding your thing. And also, you know, the world changes. So a business that, you know, talking of general business now, even property strategies, you know, a property strategy that must be, might be massive now in a few years' time, might not be as good. So you may want to change to somebody, something else or do multiple streams of income. So kind of do a little bit of everything, which is the safer thing to do. Um, so I don't know why there's this perception is that, you know, you should just stick to one thing. I, I remember when, you know, when I had um, the, the breakup happened and we sold all the property and lost a lot of money, my, my family saying to me, you're not going back to property, are you? It's like, look at what happened. Like, you look what happened then. It's like, are you crazy? Are you stupid? They just did not understand it. They um they they didn't understand it at all. So, but people only believe in you or what you do once you've proven them that it can be successful. Yeah, no. So, Camilla, look, it, there's no doubt it. You're you're a success, and something you mentioned there was that you still have mentorship and coaching. Uh, you know, even when you get to a certain level, how important is it for you to have a mentor? Because I'm a massive believer in a mentor. I have a mentor who I touch base with every week, if not a couple of times a week. And it really, really helps me. Uh, and people always say, oh, you don't need a mentor. You're already doing this. You're already doing that. Um, what's your opinions on a mentor? 100%. Like uh, when I've lost my mentor last few months, I've, I'm, I struggled with it because like like you said, I like working with people really closely. And sometimes it's just like, you know the answer, but you just want your reassurance or you want somebody else's perception. You just want somebody to be in your corner um, and to support you. And also they have different experiences and they have... So with mentors, I also believe in having 
access to people who have specialism in different areas. So one thing, you know, I've, I've been with one mentor for a couple of years and um, I was saying to him for the last six months, probably of, um, I said, you know, I kind of want to get somebody else on board, not just, not because I don't value what he does. And I think, you know, he's fantastic. And we were in a lifetime mentorship program. So, but I said, I would just like to access somebody who's got different um, mindset and has got mm-hmm. different skills. Um, so I think it's hugely important. And now I find myself, you know, I'm, I no longer have a mentor there and a mastermind group that I was in. I've, I've just signed up to another one. Um, and because, again, you want people to lead you, you want people to help you grow. And it's not just that, it's the contacts that you get from that. Because when you have a mentor, quite often you're open to their network of of individuals, you know, who they're exposed to. And I've met so many I've met so many incredible people um, through through my mastermind group and, you know, through through my mentor that that alone has been worth the money. Plus, you know, somebody who you can go to and say, hey, I'm struggling and they're just going to say, mm. you know, it's OK, do this or try this instead. Somebody that you can sometimes have a just just a moan, just talk, someone who understands because you don't want to bring this stuff to your family. You know, you don't want to bring this stuff onto your closest people because it, you need to separate that. That needs to be, it's too heavy on them otherwise. And, you know, in property world and entrepreneurship, it gets really hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. You don't want to worry, you know, your closest. Imagine going to your wife when things are going bad on a, like, on a project. And, I mean, if your wife gets it, she'll get it. But if, if she's not in that world, for example, then she'll be, she'll be worried sick. So what yeah. you making? You're just creating a bigger problem for yourself because then you're having to manage somebody else's feelings and emotions and expectations. So it's just heavier on you. So I, I think it's it's super important. Like I said, I signed up to an, a, a mentorship, um, a mastermind group, which is based in America. Okay. So I was really excited, and the first meeting is meant to be in November, but because of lockdown, America, you can't really travel at all. So I'm gutted because I think face to face is so important. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's access online, but it's just not quite the same. So I would say my best investment in all the money I've spent on property education was mentorship masterminds. Best investment. I would do it. I don't think because especially if you teach other people, if you if someone pays for their education and then you don't educate yourself and you don't pay to grow yourself, what does that show, what does what does that say about you? Or you yeah. just done you, we never have a finished product, are we? No, it's very contradictory if you're charging someone for an education and you're not paying for it yourself. Exactly. It's like kind of saying, well, I'm good. I'm, you know, I know everything, but you never know everything. Mm. You never know everything. You always like that. We should always have scope, you know, to, to grow and want to better ourselves, if not for ourselves and for the people that we work with. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, I say to people, property is a very, very lonely place at times, you know, especially if your other half doesn't get it or if your family doesn't get it. It's like what you just said there. You wouldn't want to trouble your wife with certain things. I mean, when I lost a hundred thousand pounds, I couldn't tell my wife. I couldn't tell anybody. I just had to go away and find a solution to put things right. And I don't think I told him until the project was finished. It was refinanced and the money was in the bank. And I was like, hey, all you investors that have just been paid back, I just want to let you know that we had a massive disaster halfway through. But my commitment to you was never to tell you. And they're like, what? You mean you lost all this money? You could have come to us for some more. I said, well, how embarrassing would that be? You know, hey, Mr. Investor, I've lost your money on the first deal. Yeah, yeah. But you're a fixer. You're a fixer. And, you know, and how for them to, to hear that, they'll just be like, wow. This is somebody that I want to work with because you didn't just put your head in the sand and go, oh, this has happened. Now somebody else deal with it. You've dealt with it and you sorted it. Yeah, yeah. Camilla, I want to ask you. So you're on social. Everybody, you know, everybody who follows you has seen your journey over the last few months. And, you know, um, going back a few months, it was quite sad to see you quite upset in certain situations. And it's so, so lovely. Like I was saying to you earlier, it's so nice to see you beaming again. There's a glow about you. You're really happy. And it's just, you know, all your videos now and all your posts are so nice to see someone go from, you know, down there up to there. Do you mind me asking about your journey with Progressive and, you know, that video you put out a little while ago? Because no, it was, you quite, can ask it was quite sad. Yeah. What happened was- there? Um, <laughs> so there's, there's obviously two sides of this story. So I'm aware of that and it wouldn't be fair for me to say everything without Rob Moore being able to say his side. Um, so I'll keep it, you know, of what I can say. Um, so progressive property, by the way, I don't like the, the upsetting thing for me that happened was because I was just so confused about being chucked out of all the communities. They were my, they were my family. 
people in the mm. office who work there, you know, it's, it's the train property tra- um, trainers on the courses, like everybody there, they were my friends. Um, so, um, all I'm going to say the, there were personal issues, um, between myself and Rob Moore rather than a progressive as a whole. And I wanted to move on with my life and I was very keen to move on with my life because, um, I felt I've gone to therapy. I've tried to pick myself. I mean, I was very low a couple of points. I mean, I, I tried to, um, commit suicide, um, earlier in the year because it just got to the point. I just didn't feel there was a way out. I just wanted to move on with my life. That's all I wanted. And um, my therapist said I was in a cycle of emotional abuse and controlled. Um, So in the end, I felt in order for me to move on, I have to release bits of information to people that needed to know. um, Mm -hmm. So the the ties would break and the doors would close on things. Again, I'm I'm not saying everything. I'm just giving you a bit. You might put it together. Um, and I thought it was fine. We, so we had the conversation of, you know, everything's going to stay the same with the business relationship. The personal relationship is moving on to something else. Um, and I just wanted to move on with my life. I've been trying to for like over 12 months of just to have a life and be able to be happy and do things for myself. Um, and I thought, you know, we had m- multiple discussions, et cetera, all good. We had a business together. I mean, in January this year, Rob came to me and said, you know, you're doing great on a training side. We'd like to do business with you. And because I didn't want to be under progressive brand, I said, the only reason I can see that working is if you come onto my business and support me with my growth. So they were um, they were taking 35% of my gross revenue to help me grow from underneath. So I was meant to have access to sales staff, admin, uh, business support, tax support, et cetera. And they were silent partners. So they would just help me expand under my brand. So I was working really hard under that, you know, giving away a lot of money. The things were never quite, you know, where they should be. But anyway, so that's the first. And then I was invited to be a trainer for Progressive on social media. So that's this year was the first time that I actually had any links with the company itself. Um, and, you know, so when we had the discussions about the personal relationship moving on to something else, I thought, well, it'd be great if we could just stay friends because I don't like to have bad feelings towards anybody. And I, I'm not someone that is after somebody and I'm going to expose you. I'm going to do this to you or hurt you. I'm not that kind of person, especially that, you know, I thought of him as my best friend for two years and I thought that he had my back. And, you know, I, I would do anybody for like anything for for my friends, like anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, you know, it'd be great if we just move on. We're just moving on with our lives and that's it. Um, but unfortunately, uh, he struggled with seeing me move on. So it wasn't, um, so my, when I started seeing my partner, they, his, um, actions became very malicious and, um, very strange and very scary. Um, and, um, I had to involve his business partner to try to mend things and sort things out. Um, so I was dealing with Mark and trying to get things kind of back on track and, you know, to keep the business relationship, I thought, well, we clearly can't be friends because this is just not working. Um, so we have to let go of the friendship side, but the business can stay the same, you know, that doesn't have to be affected. Um, and when there was a last attempt of him to tell me that I shouldn't be with this person who, by the way, my partner is his ex-best friend of 12 years. So his last attempt of saying um, he's not right for me and everything else, and I told him that he needs to leave me alone and it's none of his business. Um, when I said that and I finally shut the door again, I said, you need to just back off and leave me alone. And that's when he got really nasty. And that's when I got chucked out of my mastermind group. I got um, chucked out of my mentor- uh, my uh, marketing mastermind group, um, of all the progressive property um, social media groups, blocked on social media um and I had a legal letter through um come through the post as well um I've got a lot of money invested with them they still owe me some money um there's things that I paid for that I'm not now being able to get delivered um so I'll have to resolve it at some point and go through lawyers um but it's just emotionally it's really taken it out on me because I just didn't understand why was the need for it to be like that all I wanted is just to to have my own life that's all Mm -hmm. I wanted I thought you can't have it all. And, you know, you can't, I'm sorry, but you can't have a cake and eat it. And yeah, so you kind of like, you can probably put it, put it together from this, this conversation of what, what's happened. But um, 
yeah, I was very clear that I didn't want to be in that. And I was promised things for a long time. Um, I was promised there'll be an end to this situation. And when I worked out that there wasn't, I just walked away. And it's like a um, little boy throwing toys out of the pram, basically. Mm. It feels very much like, you know, you uh, you closed the door and moved on and you're now building your own brand and doing your own thing. And my this guy can't really take it and he has to kind of try and do things to kind of, you know, jiggle your cage a little bit or shake you up a little bit or do something just to be nasty, just for the sake of being nasty. I think, I mean, obviously he he would have, if he was here, he would have his side of the story. So he'd tell you whatever he felt at the time. So it's, you know, it's, it's me, him and it's other people involved as well, of course. But that's what it felt like to me because I just didn't understand what there was a need because I wasn't, I wasn't saying that I'm going to go to the world and, you know, expose you of whatever. Like I wasn't saying any of that. I was just saying, let me move on with my life. Let's still be friends. It's fine. Like, let's, like, I don't have any bad feelings. It's, you know, it's been a painful period. I've learned a lot, a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about the person that he is. And I, I do feel that he's a troubled person. And I think maybe before he tries to fix himself with other people, he really needs to work on himself. Um, you know, I've had my own challenges and I knew I had to work on those. Um, but we all deserve happiness, right? We all deserve to want to be happy and we should be allow that. And what happened to me and what he's done to me in two years, it's not okay. It's not mm-hmm. okay. But, but if I can take anything from that, I know 100% what I never want to have in my life and how I'll, I'll never let anybody treat me. That's one thing like right there if I'm so if anything good came from this is that my partner now and the life now that we have like the the person that he is like I can see in him exactly what you know I I love in a man in a person and I know that he's just he's he would never do that to me he would never be that kind of person so I'm very clear on it because with relationships you know sometimes you don't know what you want you're like is it this is Mm -hmm. it that Is, is it the other so that helped but um you know taking all of that away um I've lost a mentor and he was a really good mentor to me and he was Mm -hmm. my friend um so that's what really hurt me as well not just that but then the fact that I was trying to be isolated from my support groups and which meant everything to me you know my mastermind group all the communities on social media I mean people may think it's nothing but these people have seen me grow and I've had my back when I've had my ups and downs so to to have that taken away from me was quite painful Mm-hmm. Camilla, do you feel that maybe social media and you know the fame of having loads of people following you can trouble people at times? Do you think it can kind of influence the way they think or the way they are, the way they present themselves? Yeah, definitely. I mean, being close to Rob Moore and seeing he's got a much bigger presence than me, and seeing what that does to you, yeah, that can change you completely. You become addicted to it, and you need um, people's admiration and need them to tell you that you're good when you don't know in yourself that you're good or you have you know you don't not not believe in yourself and you constantly need it from social media and then your actions are what you say and what you put out there and how you say things are shaped to get what you need from it so one thing that I don't like and I'm ne- I don't want to ever do that is change what I say in my truth to get the benefits to get something from other people. And that's what I have seen done, changing the truth and changing things around, not saying the whole truth, saying the things that would, you know, people would want to hear and maybe not saying things that would make you look bad. Um, so somebody who portrays themselves as honest becomes very dishonest in the end because of the pressure from the social media to, you know, to get this thing from people. It can be very addictive. Um, Mm -hmm. and it can change you it can definitely change I mean I've seen some people that you know in this property circles it's gone to their heads and I think like at the end of the day I'm we're just normal people like anybody else just because you see me on social media it doesn't mean that I'm not a normal mum who like takes the her her kids to school in Plymouth and I have problems like anybody else about the same things that everybody else there's nothing different about me I'm I'm not this celebrity that some people perceive you to be or or better in any way but it really goes to some people's heads and it's just Mm -hmm. like you watch it and you think don't you remember where like where you came from or you know or where you were when they were you know they are the same place where you were a few years ago like I think you should never forget that and I think unfortunately it's this weird like social media celebrity status can it can change you 
Yeah. No, I mean, I've got a friend who's he he's kind of grown to kind of like a million followers on or close to a million followers on Instagram wow. and blue tick verified and all that. And we spent like 10 days together when we went to California. And even when I'm with him in London, he can't go anywhere without someone knowing who he is. I mean, he'll sit on the train with a hood on. And I can tell that he absolutely hates the fame bit. Like people, he's eating and people are looking at him or he's out in a bar having a drink and someone's like, oh, that's that over there. And I guess in the early days, yeah, it was probably quite nice, but it's weird because he says to me, he goes like, James, I can't, I can't do this out in public. I can't shout. I can't have fun. I can't be seen to be like who I really want to be because it may be looked at in the wrong sense, you know? So I can see where some people would really, really love it and some people would just absolutely hate it. And I've, I've seen people that are doing equally well and they're like, oh, James, look at my DMs. This person contacted this. And I'm like, I'm not really bothered about that. I don't care if this person's saying this. And it's just like, oh, look, this person wants this. This person wants this. It's like, come on, man, that is a fake world. That is not real. Yeah, and I, that, I think that's it. I think you're right there. You probably... Um, you either the that person or you're not. You either love it or you or you don't. So, and in a, in the early days, even if you're not someone who loves it, it's just the it's new, it's new and it's exciting and it's different, isn't it? Um, but it depends. Like, yeah, some people love it, and yeah, from my experience, you know, you get people who really love it and talk about it all the time, and it's like that's what their you know their aim is to get this following and to get everybody to see what you're doing. And you get people who just want to have a normal life, and you know, are doing these things that are amazing. But they don't want, like you said, all the attention that comes with it. So mm. it's, it, yeah, it can, it's it's a really interesting world. I would love to see like the psychology behind, you know, all the social media exposure, fame and stuff. I mean, we're talking at social media level. Mind you, social media level is growing to, you know, we've talked to kids as YouTubers that are now the stars and, you know, like people yeah. that we'd consider famous would be actors or footballers or something. And they're talking about TikTokers. And yeah. <laughs> so it's, it is a different world these days, but yeah it would be interesting to see how what it does to people because it must do something oh yeah totally Camilla when I think about progressive I always think of Rob I think of Mark and then I think of you because you were such a firm like person there you know every time I logged online I'd always see it and obviously there's that lavish kind of networking event that you started you know the, the one in Mayfair and I didn't actually get to come to it so I'm, I'm gutted so what I wanted to ask you is there a Camilla is there an essay girl networking event coming soon on the same kind of standard they will there will be so mayfair ppn is going to become mayfair by camilla so i'm just dropping the ppn um because i'm no longer working with progressive uh, but 100 and i mean that event was me that was my brand there was nothing progressive about it i'm not going to to lie it was really out there it was you know if you've been to it, it was a piss up. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. The, the, the launch was a piss up. I bought so much champagne. I got so much prosecco that people were just like losing their their wallets and stuff, and um, because it was all free. And um, it's not going to be like that for every networking event. But I'm all about experience. So whatever business I go to, I love the experience side of things. I want to make something amazing. I want people to turn up to it and be like, wow, not just come like, oh yeah, that was cool. So Mayfair by Camilla is 100% coming. It'll be um, in the same venue. It'll be still, you know, a bit out there, a little bit bling because it's Mayfair. You have to make it that way. Um, as soon as we're able to run events again, um, because obviously mm-hmm. COVID put everything, put a spanner in the works there. That would have continued as my own brand. But um, yeah, we're going to probably next year now looking at what's going on. Yeah, because I remember seeing some of the pictures for it and I remember seeing, I don't often see the host wearing like a lavish dress or, you know, looking so nice. And it was like, I said to Ted, I said, what's going on here? And he came along to one of them. He did. And I said to him, you, you better wear a shirt, man. You can't go in the yellow hoodie. Make yourself <laughs> look presentable. But he was like, this was a really lavish event. Like he goes, he's never been to anything like that. And I was so gutty that I didn't get to come. It was uh, it was amazing. I mean, our first um, speaker was Alfie Best, who's on um, the Times Rich List. Um, I've, I've actually had Alfie on my podcast. I've have met you? Alfie. He, I, I know Alfie, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, so you know he's what great. he's like. So he's a bit bling as well. So he turned up in his suit, um, Versace, like all over. It looked like Versace, literally, like he did say that himself, vomited on him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, it was, but he looked, he just looked, per- he was a perfect person to have the launch because um, it's all about, you know, lifestyle. Well, he's so humble. He does have mm-hmm. an amazing lifestyle that he's, he was able to build. So it's, 
I'm all, the what I wanted, and I want what I want Mayfair to be not just a property networking event. I want it to be about business because one thing that you realize when you're in the property world is not just property. You have to learn about business. It is mm-hmm. a business, and if you don't have these skills and if you don't know how to grow it, you're never going to be able to go as far. So that's what I was. My focus was on getting speakers that were really big. So Mayfair had you know criteria. So the speakers had to be worth at least a million, and we're going to move it to um, to more. Because actually, it's not very hard to be worth a million in in yeah. business. <laughs> so, um, and um, and have achieved, you know, have something really special about it, something to and be able to give to people who are in the room. You don't want someone on stage who just shows off and doesn't really give anything useful, any advice, or you know, anything you can take from that. So, I had some amazing speakers lined up. I'm not going to lie. Um, uh, yeah, I had speakers read until July. So we did an event in. Um, January event in February so we had Neville Wright in February um, March literally we had to cancel two days before because the restrictions came in two days before wow. the event um, it's because I was going to run it it was a service accommodation special it was going to be massive and yeah I had speakers lined up for the next four months and all gone so it's just a case of restarting when we're ready but now that my new mastermind is in there amongst very very big American names I'm even hoping I might be able to get a few of them down Oh, nice. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, because I missed the first (laughs) one. Camilla, something you said earlier on, you know, you said you came to this country as an immigrant when you were 15. You know, you've gone through this really kind of, you know, eventful journey of ups and downs, highs and lows. I want to ask you a question. If there's any young ladies out there watching that are wanting to get into property, I know it can be quite a man heavy field where you just see lots of men around. I mean, what would your advice be to them? And have you in your journey ever openly felt discriminated by tradespeople, by men or anything? And how have you dealt with it? Um, That's a really good question. Um, I'm a bit of a boy scale. So I've never found it difficult amongst men. I get on with men really well. So I guess that helped me. Um, that Actually, I feel more comfortable with guys than with girls. Um, but definitely, definitely there's been moments where I felt discriminated or looked down upon or looked like there's somebody else behind me because I'm not able to do it by myself. I My solution to everything is humor and a little bit of cheek and a little bit of feist. So if somebody gives it to me, I'm going to give it back. Um, and I know that it takes confidence to do that. So not everyone's going to be able to do that. But I just think if they want to, well, I've, I've always thought about it. If they want to assume that I'm just this bimbo, I, I did a I did a rant recently. I don't know if you saw it about men thinking in property. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I made a comment on, on on to this person saying, "What makes you think that? Is it the blonde hair or the big tits that make you think that I don't know anything about property?" <laughs> and people loved it. They thought it's hilarious, but. That's what, you know, that's what a lot of men think. They look at you and it's like, well, you're a blonde bimbo, so you can't know much. And I think, well, let them think that and then watch me because I'm going to do so much better than them. So actually, if they want to think that about me and if, if they want to think I don't want to do business with her because she's a woman or because of this and make assumptions, then the best treatment initially is silence. Just don't say anything. Say, okay, cool. And then show them with actions and prove them wrong. That's so much more powerful than saying anything to them. Um, so in my first two years, there was, there definitely been elements of that. I just focused on action. I wasn't really fighting anybody about that. I just focused on action. And even in my mastermind group that I started, it was all men. So I think it was one woman when I joined and my, right. Mark Homer, if you, if you asked him, I, I said to him, it's like, you just, I was, a, um, you know, I was a blonde bimbo who just talked shit on social media. I said that to him when I like later on and he laughed. And I, honest to God, I think that's what he thought. I thought I was just one of those, you know, just uh, talks a lot, but doesn't do a lot. And if you show them and they see, if they see what you do or, you know, how you respond things and the knowledge that you have, you gain respect that way. So I think whilst for women, it might be harder initially. I think when we gain respect, because it is a male-dominated industry, when we gain respect, I personally think that they have your back more than other guys. I think it depends who it is, obviously, but I certainly felt that it's been an advantage for me being a woman in property in my in the last 18 months after you know, people could see that I actually I'm not stupid, that I know what I'm doing and I'm capable um, and there's less of us. So we've got more potential to stand out. Um, so I think we should use it to our advantage. And 
yeah, to, to me is humor. I just like, I use humor for everything and I'm really feisty. So I just say it how it is. And I have these rants, but ultimately they're, you know, they're tongue in cheek. Some of them, I might get fired up a little bit, but that goes and I'm able to have a normal conversation with that person again, but they know not to say those things or not to cross that line again. Um, so has it been, so I don't feel like it's been really hard for me. Like it's been a bad thing. If, if anything, I probably felt like, um, I've had good support from men and I've had men that have my back and don't get me wrong. There are some that have jumped on me. Um, but it depends what you seek, I guess. So I've, I've always sought, you know, I've, and it's, it's going to, it might sound a bit, um, a bit weird, but like I have a real, because it is like it is, I have a real sense of um, satisfaction when I get the respect, when I earn the respect. And I probably shouldn't feel like that because, you know, like, why should I have to earn respect of a man? Um, Mm -hmm. But because they're not just men, a lot of them, they're very well accomplished. You know, people have done well in business. It could be, they could be a woman. It just happens to be more men in that industry. So I think if you play your cards right, and if you don't take it too personally, and if you just um, focus on doing and not listening to what they're saying to you, um, I think, yeah, you can, they can make a, a lot of my investors are men. They, they want to work with me. I have clients who are men. They don't have problem working with me. You have some people that rather not be taught by a girl or, you know, invest in other, other men, but then you have women who don't want to be taught by men. So mm-hmm. it goes the other way as well. So I'm probably not the best person to be like, I'm not somebody who's going to say it was really hard for me. Um, because of that, it, it wasn't, but I think it's just because I go into that world with a bit of banter and I made myself known. So it's probably I've used it as an um, advantage um, mm-hmm. personally. No, some great tips there. No, great. Camilla, so once once it's all done and said and you've finished, what's your end goal with all this? Where do you want to be when you want to finally say, you know what, I've had enough. I want to hang up my boots. What does life look like for you right at that optimum vision and goal? See, I I thought about that quite a lot because um, my partner said to me, as I go, you know, when when does it end? I got him into property um, recently, so he's now in property as well. Um, and I've it's like I just love what I do. Like, I mean, I don't have a nine to five job. Um, I do want to grow my trading company. If there's one thing that when you know, when it comes to it, if there's one thing that I would actually stop doing is maybe running events because of the time involved in them. But like, mm-hmm. I'm just starting, so I'm nowhere near like giving up on that. I want to grow that and develop it. But if, if you know, we go down the years and what happens, the property stuff continues. That doesn't go anywhere because I just, I just love it. And the good thing about property is you can have a good team in place. You don't have to be there. So all you're responsible for is finding money, finding deals, and then running these projects. I could be in Mauritius right now and I could be managing my build team because I've got really good project manager on board. So I don't ever want to stop that really. I think um it's not about money. It's not even it's not about money. It's it's this like sense of achievement. And I've always said this, like I am not well, don't get me wrong, I like money. I'm not driven by money because if I lost everything tomorrow, I'll be fine. I just pick myself back up again. I don't associate my self-worth with how much money I've got in the bank or what mm-hmm. clothes I wear. Whilst you know, I like to wear nice stuff. If tomorrow I had to go to Primark and just, you know, live off that, it's not a problem. It's okay. Is this sense of achievement that gives me the satisfaction, um, and I think I'll need it to. So I don't think it will ever go. I think I'll be forever in property. Mm. No, I've I've heard that from a few people. A few people have said, you know what? I've got no intentions of hanging my boots up or being done with it because yeah. I just love what I do. It's not a job for me. It's a lifestyle. Absolutely, absolutely. Because you can do whatever. That's one thing I'm finding with property. It allows you to do whatever. We, me and my partner went away um, a couple of weeks ago to to Krakow. A few weeks before that, even for COVID, we're managing to go away. We went to Cyprus with the kids. In three weeks, we're going away on holiday again. Um, I'm taking him for his birthday. So, and because I'm able to work off my laptop, he's a dentist, so he's still he's got his own dental practice. So he's still limited to working hours. Um, but for me. I'm still, I can work anywhere in the world. And that's the most amazing feeling that I can be in Peterborough today. I can be in Plymouth tomorrow because I do that commute. I could be on the other side of the, the world if I want to. It doesn't affect my work. So why would you stop doing it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Camilla, I want to finish off by just saying one thing. You know, earlier on, you said that at the beginning of the year, you felt suicidal and that must have been a real low point for you. 
I want to ask you what life looks like now for you, because, you know, I see you smiling. I see you beaming. I see you happy now. Tell us what is life like now going from a point where you were so low to where you are now? You know what? If it sounds, it seems like different worlds, like I'm a different person and that early this year didn't happen. I almost feel like that's just that was just a really bad dream because I don't understand how you can go from that to where I am now. Um, life is amazing. So I found balance, which is one thing that I never had. I was all business, business, business and work and um, allowing somebody into my life and te- for him to teach me what that you should be enjoying it. There's not just about the destination, it's about the journey as well. And you should enjoy the journey and not just wait until you can enjoy the destination. So life's amazing. I'm commuting still between Plymouth and Peterborough on a weekly basis of so the 300 mile drive every week because um, my kids are over there. My I appreciate my girls more than I ever did. And one thing that from everything that's happened, I've learned is that the, my time with the kids is more important than anything else. The better dairy management, I spend time with them and they've been happy and they've been better, you know, well behaved. And you wonder sometimes why kids act up and it's normally there's reasons they want more of your attention or, you know, they, they're not getting enough love. And I've certainly noticed that I have a family. I've, I've not, you know, in three years since I've broken up with their dad, I've not, they've not, there's not been a man in their life. And I've always felt really guilty that I'm not able to give them a family unit. Now I have a mm-hmm. family and it feels amazing. I didn't realize that would feel so good to um to to have this um and I'm still property I'm going heavier than ever I've got the biggest projects that I've ever done so far on a go um you know my training company whilst I've over COVID I focused on helping existing clients to get through because hospitality was hit so bad um is back to running events is back to you know to to taking on more clients so I have I spend more time with my friends um I have better relationships with people um my relationship with my family with my mum is so much better than it was like everything's just so much better and I I can't I don't know what it is exactly but there's just like you know when you wake up smiling I've not mm-hmm. woken up smiling for a very long time and there was a there was a point where I woke up smiling and I was like oh my god this feels amazing because I've been waking up with anxiety in my chest every morning it's like is this what life is meant to be like? Because you, you're almost like waiting for something to go wrong. So for the last few months, I was saying this to Tosh and to my partner. It's like, I'm waiting for something to go wrong. And he saw it in me. It's like, sometimes I would just be like a bit on edge or provocative. And he's like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, what do you think? Like, I'm not going to, <laughs> like, I'm not going to hurt you. It's like, you can. So once I've relaxed into this, it's just like, every day is amazing. And doesn't matter what challenge gets thrown at me, because I can deal with it because I feel good underneath. Oh, Kamur, you know what? It's been absolutely fantastic speaking to you. And I'm so happy to see that you're happy. And you can tell, I mean, you just have to look at you on social media and you're so radiant. So, you know, big up to your your man who's making you very, very happy and you deserve it. You totally, totally deserve it. <laughs> Thank you. Kamur, if anybody wants to connect with you, where can they find you if they want to reach out, ask you any questions or find out more about your training? Um, of course. So social media mainly. So I'm very big on Facebook. I'm a Facebook girl. Um, so if you just search at um, SA girl, um, I'm on LinkedIn as well, Camilla Z um, and on Instagram, the SA girl. So you can find me if you if you Google the SA girl into the search, I do come up. Um, I do have a website. So it's www.sagirl.co.uk um, and they can email me on there. But bound to see me on social once you once you look once I tend to stick to people's feet for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Camilla lastly I'll finish off with one question what's one thing or one vice you just simply cannot live without one thing you must do one thing you must do it could be a naughty Ooh. pleasure it could be a naughty habit whatever just something one vice Camilla cannot live without oh my god what is one thing I don't actually know what can I not live without You know what? I don't actually know. What is it for you? Uh, I think for me, it's um, having a drink at the end of the week. Ah, <laughs> a little bit naughty, but I have to have a little bit of vodka at the end of the week just to just to ease the week off. I like that. You know, I don't want to sound like an alcoholic, but that's that. It's a regular <laughs> occurrence in my house as well. I'm a I'm a gin drinker, so it'll be a gin for me. Um, I'm going to go all soft uh, because it's something that I struggled with. Like, um, and 
I struggle without love. So a little bit of love for me makes everything so much better. Aww. So if it's a hug, whether it's from your kids or whether it's from your family or whether it's from your partner, I think that makes everything okay. I'm going to go all soft on you. <laughs> oh, no, I think I think that's a great, great exit to finish on. Camilla, thank you so much. And you know what? Once this lockdown business is all over, I'd love to meet you personally and have a drink with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And just talk some more because I'm one of those people that can just carry on talking forever. I love it. That's the reason why I started this podcast because I wanted to bring so many amazing people to the platform like yourself just to share knowledge with other people that might be going through something. And it's always nice when someone reaches out and says, James, you know that podcast you did with that essay girl? It really resonated with me and it's really, really helped me. And they're the messages that I really like receiving. So oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I think you're doing amazing things. Thank you so much for having me. And and thank you from our, all our women in property for creating this. Um, because you know, it's it, it will mean a lot to many women out there. So so thank you for you know for putting it out there. I really appreciate it. Okay, thank you, Camilla. I'm gonna stop it there. Cheers for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the J2 Hub podcast with James Sahota. If you like the podcast, Feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from James. And if you got value from this podcast, do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from. And remember, you're never too late to become something you truly want to become.